There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. It's Devraga, Personal Finance, and welcome to episode 22. Um, this is the third episode of 2019, and January is almost finished. I find that January is one of those months that tends to get um, forgotten because, you know, by the time we get into January, we're just coming off the back of Christmas and New Year, um, and then we're sort of just slowly getting back into work around mid-January. I'm talking about um, the Australian uh, calendar, guys, not overseas. And then um, by the time you get back into work, which is around the 14th, 15th, 16th of January, here we are on the 29th and January is almost over. So I find that it's the month that we tend to really forget a lot um, in the calendar year. Nonetheless, um, so what are we going to talk about in this episode? I, I thought I'd talk about um, two articles that I read recently um, uh, in the newspapers. Uh, yes, I still read newspapers, mainly online though. Um, I don't actually physically buy a newspaper. Um and the second thing um, I thought I'll talk about is this concept of no-spend challenge. Uh, I'm not sure whether you've come across that in personal finance, but um, it's something that I've sort of done myself and I've come across it a fair few times. And you can do it in various ways and forms. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that in this episode and see how you could utilize that in order to achieve your financial goals. Um, so again, in these podcast series, the basic principles are you know, save a percentage of your income, I recommend 20% um, uh, after tax income that is, um, and then you put it away into savings or investments and you repeat it again and again and again on a monthly basis. And hopefully by the time you retire, you're likely to be very, very well off. Now remember, this is outside of super. So um, that's the basic premise. That's pay yourself first premise of my podcast's and then we've built on that over the last 21 episodes to, think, to, to talk a little bit about the financial concepts and also other elements of personal life, really, like things like wills, testamentary trusts, insurance, etc. So if you haven't listened to any of the previous podcasts, I'd recommend you go back and have a listen. Um, a bit of shameless promotion there from my end. Now, the first article that I read in the uh, Sydney Morning Herald um, was, um, it's about um, a couple of people that have actually studied the habits of millionaires that have achieved status of a net worth of a million dollars or more. Um, and the first person that did that, they studied about 600 millionaires, was Sarah Stanley Fellow, um, who was the Director of Research for the Affluent Market Institute. And there's actually a very large study done by uh, Ramsey, uh, Dave Ramsey and co, and Chris Hogan and co in the United States. They studied over 10,000 millionaires. Um, and they studied millionaires that used their principles of financial success, but also millionaires that didn't know anything about their principles. Um, uh, that is Dave Ramsey's and Chris Hogan's principles. And what they did find was that the people that applied those principles and knew about them and the people that didn't know about them were kind of doing the same thing. So it turns out there are some uh, common ground and common principles and uh, elements to these people that end up becoming millionaires over their life. Um, and these people studied them and sort of found, you know, six basic 
concepts and principles that apply to all of them. So in this article, we'll sort of talk a little bit about um, what are those principles um, that perhaps you can apply in your own life. And hopefully it's a set of rules that if you apply, you're likely to end up being um, relatively wealthy later on in life. Now, the first principle uh, and concept uh, that was very common to all of these millionaires was frugality. It came about again and again and again, and that's the commitment to saving, um, and that's the commitment to spending less than what you earn, and it's a commitment to sticking to a budget. So if you talk to a lot of these people that are high net worth individuals, um, you know, not, not ultra high net worth, these people are, you know, between one and five million dollars, um, frugality came about almost every single time. So... You know, the old rules are simple and effective and are very, very relevant. That is, spend less than you earn, commit to saving, and commit to saving that amount on a regular basis, and always stick to a budget. So that's why I sort of feel the principles of 20% savings or paying yourself first um, uh, can be applied in this concept of frugality. The second thing that all of these people possessed was confidence. Um, and even if they didn't have the confidence, they went about and learnt um, personal finance and the concepts and learnt about financial management, learnt about investing um, and learnt about household leadership. Because if you don't have confidence with money, you're likely not to succeed in achieving your financial dreams or your long-term goals. So confidence, even if you don't have it, it's really important to seek it to try and learn about finances, and like all things in life, education is power. The more you know, the more knowledge you have, the more powerful you become, and the more confident that you become. So that's something that was really, really um, hit home in these research um, by these two people. Um, the third concept that came about again and again was responsibility. So essentially, it's personal responsibility. People... Um, you know, uh, take responsibility for their finances. They tend not to blame other people. Uh, they tend to realize that their financial future and their life is in their hands. They don't rely on other people. Um, they don't rely on external forces. Um, and they believe that luck plays a very little role. So, you know, they don't play the lotto. They don't, you know, go gambling. They don't go horse racing. You know, all that sort of stuff. And they don't do betting, sports betting, etc. Because they feel that luck plays very little role in the fact of um, their path to wealth. So personal responsibility is something that comes about again and again. Um, and I think uh, that, that that's really, really critical. Because most people, and, and, and I think this is true in Australia as well, would probably believe that wealth is inherited. You know, there's this concept of old money. But you'll find that a lot of these people that have achieved net worth of greater than a million dollars or more are actually new millionaires. You know, they come from very humble backgrounds. These are employees, the teachers, um, you know, the, um, uh, uh, the, uh, the lecturers, the professors, um, the business analysts. You know, the, the, these people are not, you know, uh, super duper business people um, that have, you know, high net worth businesses, etc. They're just ordinary people that are just applying some principles in their life to achieve the financial freedom. And, and you find that personal responsibility comes back again and again and again. And the people that take responsibility for their finances are more likely to succeed. The other concept that came about was planning, you know, setting goals. 
Um, so, you know, it's 2019. So what is your financial goals for 2019? That's something that I personally work on every year. I look at my finances. January is generally the time that I do it in. I look at my insurance. I look at my will. I look at my personal finance. I look at my property portfolio. I look at my stock portfolio and see what direction am I going to be heading in this year? Um, and at the end of the year, I reflect on that and I sort of say, well, have I achieved that? And if I haven't achieved it, well, why not? How can I do it better? Um, was there anything outside of my control that so hampered my achievements? Um, and was there anything that I could have done to try and limit uh, the losses or, or, or increase the gains? Okay, so planning and setting goals for your financial future is absolutely important. And when I say your, I'm not talking about you personally, you, your family. Um, you know, obviously everyone needs to be in it um, together. Focus. Um, so make sure that they don't get distracted, that these people are very, very focused. So Chris Ogan talks about being focused and not finished. Until you achieve that goal, you can't let go of it. Um, so, you know, don't get distracted. And these people are very rarely get distracted. I guess one of the best ways of achieving focus, I find, is having a system in place and making it automated. Um, if you automate your savings plan and your investment plan, etc., then it just means that it kind of happens in the background and it's not going to get derailed. It's not going to get distracted. So I find that that's a very easy way of setting up a focused um, system in your financial goal setting and financial planning for the future. And last but not least, these people don't succumb to social pressures. So they're not trying to live like the Joneses. They're not trying to live in massive houses and they're not trying to live in, um, you know, mansions. They're not trying to achieve, uh, you know, first-class holidays. They're not trying to buy super-duper cars. These people have a goal in mind and they keep going on to try and achieve that goal and live a life of frugality. And they don't look at other people and, you know, sort of say, oh, he's doing this and he's doing that and therefore I should do it as well. There's no competition. There's no... Um, you know, uh, financial, uh, you know, uh, jealousy, I guess, in terms of what your neighbors or your friends or family are doing. They just have a plan in their head. Um, they talk very little about it to others. They just go on, set pathways and goals to achieve that goal, and they just go on and do it. So, you know, the, the six concepts are very, very telling. Frugality, confidence in financial management, and the ability to learn, personal responsibility and not blaming other people, and accepting the fact that luck plays very little role, planning and setting goals for your future, focusing, and also not succumbing to social pressures. Those are the six concepts and principles that these people bring um, to their financial planning. And, and, and that's something that keeps repeated again and again across both of those studies. Um, the second article that I read was also in the SMH, not that I subscribe to the SMH, but it's interesting. Um, I tend to read a variety of online resources, everything from news uh, media to the age, Fairfax, you know, whatever, uh, and also overseas media as well. Um, and it sort of talks a little bit about where you kind of should be in your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s uh, financially, uh, having kind of like a life plan for finances um, and, and I found that article very, very telling. And I thought, well, is that something that I can uh, perhaps use in my own life? And it kind of turns out that I am, but I kind of didn't do it that way. I, I did it my own little way. But, you know, you have your own style and your own you know, principles. But I thought it probably worthwhile summarizing the article. It breaks up your um, life into decades from the 20s to the 50s. 
um, and the aim is to achieve a retirement portfolio of about a million dollars. Now, now people say in 30 years time, is a million dollars going to be worth what it is today? Well, if you didn't have a million dollars in 30 years time, then you'll be stuffed. So it's better than nothing. So I, I find that argument mute. So whatever your goal is, you know, try to achieve that. You know, the end game is is what you want it to be. So they talk about in your 20s, you got to start saving a percentage of your income and let it compound over time. I've talked about it time and time again in my personal podca- uh, podcast episodes, and my figure is 20%. And in fact, this article actually talk about 20% deducted from your paycheck. So you don't even notice it's gone to get you in the habit of living below your means. So basically, it's an automated system. They talk about 20% as well. And I, and I find that 20% seems to be a very, very good figure in terms of trying to use compounding to your advantage. I find 10% is okay, it's not great, 15% is better, 5% is not too much, but the aim is 20%. Um, and also start with, you know, maybe start with 5%, but the aim is to get to 20% um, in your 20s. In your 30s, they talk about living below your means and avoiding lifestyle creep. So one of the things that I found in my 30s, and I'm you know in my mid-30s at the moment, is that you really tend to have lifestyle creep, the gardener, the cleaner, and all these sort of things. I mean, is it really necessary? You know, I'm a bit of a hypocrite. I do have a gardener. I do have a cleaner. Um, I find that me spending an hour cleaning the house um, is going to cost me a lot of money. So I spend, you know, 40 bucks an hour for a cleaner. And in that hour, I probably, you know, that hour for me is worth, you know, hundred dollars or two hundred fifty dollars whatever it is it works to me so I find that it's a very good investment in terms of trying to minimize my time doing you know household duties etc so if I exercise for an hour for example I find that hour for me is probably valuable much more than if I you know clean the house because if I'm exercising I'm getting healthier if I'm getting healthier I'm paying less for insurance if I'm paying less for insurance I'm saving money that way and of course it's very good for my health um, which means I'm you know hopefully going to be living longer in my life okay In your 40s, um, they talk about focusing. So this is when you broaden your career. Um, You try and, um, you know, work really, really hard, make that extra cash, have a side hustle, whatever it is, and really try and build on the career and grow your income for retirement. So really be focused on your career because this is the time, that decade, is when your 20% starts to compound, okay? So that's really, really important in your 40s. And in your 50s, they say, make sure... Your children don't derail it. So you need to talk about finances to your kids. Make sure that they're not living at home in your 50s and, you know, squinging on your squillions. Um, Make sure that, you know, they get the uni degree or the apprenticeship or whatever they want to do and they move out. And they have their financial future set up, which just means you're you're trying to teach them um, and also, uh, you know, make sure that they're enjoying their life, but also they know how to make financial decisions and get them involved in the financial decision that you're making as well. So this is the 50s where you try and stay on track for your retirement plan um, and then move on forward. And of course, in your 60s, if everything goes well, you'll be retired, have a million dollars in the bank account in addition to your super, um, and hopefully that's all you need for your retirement. Um, so that's that's two interesting articles um, that, I've, uh, that I've read in the last sort of couple of weeks, uh, both from the SMH, which is interesting. Um, now, the final thing that I wanted to talk about is um, this concept of a no-spend challenge. Um, You might have heard about it. Um, It's something that I've sort of tried to utilize myself. Um, I don't do it very often, but when I do, I must say I've been relatively successful. 
Essentially, the concept is pretty simple. It's basically um, a no-spend challenge is choosing a period of time, say a weekend or a week or a month, to not spend any money. Now, of course, what that means is not like starving yourself to death and not like, you know, not living in a house and not paying rent or not paying utilities or buying groceries. That's not what it's trying to say. It's to try and cut down on spending that's a want rather than a need. Okay, so some people choose to have allowances like groceries and gases uh, and all that sort of stuff. So the purpose, uh, the original purpose that sort of came about was to reset your financial planning after a extensive period of spending. So you might have gone for a holiday, a vacation, and then when you come back, you need to have a track, you need to get back into track um, into your um, into your savings plan. So that's how it kind of all started to sort of you know reset your life. But you can use that in your own life uh, whenever you really want, and you can sort of tweak it to what you want it to mean. Okay. So um, essentially. You can, uh, you know, pick, pick a time frame. So it can be a weekend challenge. It can be a day challenge. It can be a week challenge. Uh, it can be a month challenge. Uh, I find the longer it is, the less successful you're going to be. So I generally do a weekend or maybe a day where I go, okay, today, you know, I'm not going to have any coffee and, you know, I love my half-strength lattes, but I'm not going to have any coffee, which means I'll save, you know, $4.50 at Macca's or whatever. So, you know, or you can say, okay, this weekend... You know, I'm not going to go out and eat, and I'm going to save a hundred bucks in uh, in meal times uh, and meal fees uh, when I go out to eat. Uh, or you might say, well, this week uh, I'm not going to eat out for lunch at work, which is you know ten bucks a day or whatever it is. So for five days, that's a fifty dollars saving. So you set your time frame for a no spend challenge. So how does it work? Well, it works. You have a set of rules. Okay, so you're going to say to yourself. Okay, I'm allowed to spend on mortgage, I'm allowed to spend on rent, utilities, insurance, internet, phone, food, like such as groceries, um, if you're not stocking up prior, and of course, uh, petrol for the car or public transportation fees, tickets, etc. So these are all spending that you're allowed to do, because if you didn't do it, you couldn't live. But then you look at your life and you sort of say, okay, what sort of aspect of my life am I doing that I don't really need? So, for example, you might be going out for activities, you know, your dramas, your movies, eating out coffee drinks. You might be buying new clothes. You might be going out shopping that's not really required, you know, hairdressers, nails, saloons, um, anything that you think is a want. So, you know, in my case, it might be coffee, it might be eating out, it might be going to the movies, um, and you sort of completely cut that out, Okay. So, you know, how do you, how do you get started? We well, need to figure out what you're doing. Um, you need to decide how long you want to not do it for. So that's the how long you're going to have the no spend challenge for. You've got to set your rules and you've got to have what's allowed spending, what's not allowed spending. And it's really important, especially if you've got family, to get your family and kids involved. doesn't matter what age of the kids, if you've got a seven or nine year old like I do, it's really important to get them involved because they need to have some sort of um, understanding about why you're doing what you're doing as opposed to, oh, mum and dad just being stingy again and there's no real reason for it. Well, there's a reason for it, okay? Um, and, uh, and, and, and if you're going to have a weekend of no spending, if you've got kids, well, you need to research about it as to how you're going to entertain your kids on the weekend without having to spend money. So you might want to take them to a massive park that's free public parking. Or you might have, you know, visit your friends' or family's houses. So hopefully that doesn't cost you any money. You don't have to buy a wine bottle when you go there, for example. So you know, you've got to have some sort of planning and preparation for that no-spend weekend challenge. And make sure you put away your debit cards and your credit cards because that just avoids temptation. Okay, 
So you might want to just use cash. I've talked about using cash before, um, where if you use cash, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that you spend less because it activates the pain um, centers in your brain. So you might want to use cash for that weekend. So you're going to automatically spend less money, but put away your credit and your debit cards. Okay. Um, and if you, you know, during that weekend, if you, if you see something and you want to buy it, um, you might want to say to yourself, okay, well, I'm not going to buy it on that weekend. I'm going to buy it after this weekend. And nine times out of 10 guys, after the weekend, you would have forgotten about it. And you probably realize, you know what? I actually don't need that anymore. So you're probably not going to spend it anyway. Okay. Now, what's the point of this no spend month or week or weekend or day or whatever it is? Well, the point is to try and reset your spending, um, you know, uh, to get back into your sort of cycle of saving, etc. But more importantly, I feel at the end of your weekend, you've had your no spend weekend, you need to calculate how much money you've saved. Okay, so on the Monday night after the weekend, you might say, okay, well, this no spend weekend, I've saved $100 this weekend by applying the no spend weekend rules. So what are you going to do with that $100? Are you going to spend it the next week? Well, of course not. You're going to take that 100 bucks and you're going to save it. This is in addition to your 20% saving that you've already initialized, okay? So you're going to take the 100 bucks, you're going to put it away and save it, put it into an investment account or whatever it is, and that money you never see and you never have the opportunity to spend. Now, if you don't do that last step, your no-spend weekend, in my view, is a waste of time. So in this episode, we've summarized you know, quite a few things. Uh, first of all, some of the habits of the people that end up having net worth of over a million dollars, the six habits we talked about earlier, um, a financial roadmap for your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, um, and what is a no-spend challenge um, and how you can use that effectively in your life. And the most important thing is once you've saved that money that you haven't spent, what are you going to do with it? Don't spend it. You're going to put it into a savings account or investment account, and that adds to your 20% saving that you're already doing on a monthly basis. Now, I probably do a no-spend challenge not that frequently, probably once a month, uh, if that. Um, but uh, I, I, I certainly do on a monthly basis a set percentage of my income, which is 20%, and I put it away, and I do it forever. I've been doing it for many, many, many years. So this is Dev Raga, Personal Finance. Thanks for listening. Episode 22. Um, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to um, uh, email, Facebook, or comment on CastBox uh, uh, podcast app as well. I'll try and get back to you as soon as I can. I've got a pretty full week, most weeks. Um, sorry for the voice. I've got a bit of a sore throat. Had a bit of a viral infection yesterday, so just recovering from that today. Um, hopefully it's sort of projected reasonably well for this podcast. And until next time, pay yourself first, save that 20% um, and, uh, you know, maybe apply a no-spend challenge in your life and hopefully that'll come out uh, pretty fruitful. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time, stay safe. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.